Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. WIBC. So the polls are open in Michigan, and many people are saying this is really going to reveal how vulnerable Joe Biden is, especially in terms of his policy with Israel, because Michigan does have the city of Dearborn, which is home to one of the largest Arab American communities in the United States. And there are a lot of people in that area who are not happy with Joe Biden and his support for Israel. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about, we got into this with the segment about the apartments Mm -hmm. and it is the rapid change in the landscape of this country both the physical landscape and the ideological makeup that for years and years built communities built states built the country as a whole and to take this outside of indiana and central indiana if we go to michigan think about what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. there is a gigantic voting block who is prepared to punish Joe Biden, mm-hmm. who really hasn't been supportive of Israel at all. I mean, he really hasn't done anything of note that you would say, man, boy, he's totally he's totally behind the Israelis. And yet that is not enough for these people because he has not been outwardly pro Hamas, terrorist group Hamas. Yep. They are prepared. And this is a sizable voting block, Casey. This is not nine people that we're talking about. They are prepared to punish Joe Biden because of his refusal to support a, a terrorist group. Well, it's interesting because it really encompasses a large portion of Detroit, which is the great population in the state of Michigan. But then as you head west across the state, uh, Grand Rapids is historically a little bit more liberal. But then the farther north you go, it's very much Trump country. So you've got the two major population areas Uh, leaning towards Biden, typically, and then the rest of the state all goes to Trump. However, you've got the Listen to Michigan campaign. They're saying this isn't an anti-Biden campaign. It's not a, we don't want Biden. They're not a protest, but they're saying that they are voicing their opinion based on a humanitarian vote. No, they're voicing their opinion based on a pro-terrorist organization vote, and that's who people like Rashida Tlaib support, are bunch of terrorists but it is not just some wacky congressman anymore it is a huge constituency behind these people and again if you go back like even go back 20 years can you imagine or even 10 years can you imagine the idea that there would be a sizable growing voting block of people who would be like yeah it's really cool that hamas killed a thousand israelis and we're really pissed off that israel is responding in kind No, but it comes back to when you have millions upon millions of people who have no respect for this country or the ways of this country or wanting to assimilate to this country, when you have literally millions of those people coming into this country every single year, you're going to dilute the fabric of what has made this country incredible. And this is what I was talking about. If you want to bring it down onto a, you know, a more localized level about when you dump tens of thousands of people into these suburban communities, those people who are there, who are coming, have no respect for what made this a place that you want to live or it's like when people leave california and come to places like indiana they bring their politics with them Mm -hmm. and and this is happening at a national level state level a local level where we are seeing the total uh, just dismantling of of thoughts and thinking and ways of thought that have made 
these communities and states and this country so incredible. So Gretchen Whitmer has been warning of this, saying, I don't really know how this is going to play out for Democrats in the state of Michigan because there's this major movement for voters to mark uncommitted on their ballots. Biden won uh, Michigan in 2020 by 150,000 votes, air quotes. Um, Sure he did. (laughs) Everyone totally believes that. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, in 2016, it was Donald Trump who got Michigan when she when he defeated Hillary Clinton. So, so the, these people are enough. Let's just pretend for a moment. Let's just let's just live in fantasy world where Joe Biden won the state by 150,000 mm-hmm. votes and just magically they it all happened after midnight. Mm-hmm. Um because again that's totally normal that voting would be stopped and all the other stuff that happened um or ballot counting would be stopped but let's just pretend that happened this these people are such a growing block that if they sit out the election it would be enough to alter the the course of the election absolutely okay so nikki haley is there she's been there she's campaigning why Uh, she and she was asked hey you lost the Coke network money uh what does this do for your campaign does it change the dynamic it, it doesn't change our dynamic. They weren't helping us from a monetary standpoint. They were door knockers and phone calls. They weren't We've giving, got you didn't get any money from them? Oh. No money from them, no. Oh. See, Bull, <laughs> how much do you think those door knockers cost? See, when they say, we didn't get any money from them, how much, you, what do you think those people were running a soup kitchen over at AFP? <laughs> what, are they, what are they writing it off on their taxes as charitable giving? They were paying those people to go knock on doors for you. It's a huge loss. This is, again, these people just can never be honest. She just couldn't look and go, hey, look, you know, we've given it a great shot. We're going to stay in it because we want people to have. I was thinking about this yesterday, mm-hmm. about how easy it would be if you were Nikki Haley, if you were insist upon saying staying in and yet still be honest about it. You would say, look, it hasn't gone the way we've wanted so far, mm-hmm. and it's probably not going to go the way that we want going forward. But we believe that people have a vested interest in choice. We have the means to remain on the ballot. We've put the effort to remain on the ballot. And we believe our best way to hold Donald Trump accountable towards conservatism or limited government or not doing the same things he did during COVID is for him to have competition and have to continue to work to earn votes. And so we're going to stay in. We know it's probably not going to end up the way we want, but we believe in choice. Boom. Period. End of story. And I would hear that and go, you know what? I admire that. But instead, you get this bull crap. Oh, they didn't give us money. They gave you probably millions, millions. of dollars in terms of infrastructure and mm-hmm. resources and everything else with these door knocks. Get lost, lady. Mm-hmm. They just can never, these politicians can just never be honest, Casey. So you're saying it would be kind of nice if she did maybe a Chris Christie light. Yeah, just be honest. Just say, look, it's good. Well, I'm not going to insult your intelligence. He's clearly way ahead. He's going to win Michigan. Uh, he's probably going to, you know, clean up on Super Tuesday. You can kind of word it however you want. Mm-hmm. But be honest with people and say, I'm staying in because I want to hold this guy accountable so that you have a better President Trump when he enters the White House. And the only way to do that is to continue to force him to go on the record on policy positions yep. so America's better. Make him earn it. Why couldn't she just do that? I just came up with that off the top of my head, Casey. So Donald Trump has appealed his $454 million New York civil fraud judgment. So he's being kept busy there. His lawyers filed notice of the appeal on Monday. You knew that was going to happen, right? I mean, this isn't a surprise to anybody. But again, this goes back to, I believe, why Nikki Haley is staying in it, because she thinks something is going to happen where he can't be the nominee. And that's fine, but be honest with people. Just simply say what you're doing. I just, I, the, 
this is why the country's in the shape it's in because there there is like seven politicians out there in the entire country uh five if you take away Rand paul and thomas massey who are willing to say here's who i am here's what i'm doing here's why i'm doing it if you don't like it there's always an option to vote for someone else and i wish you a pleasant good day and they just pe- these people will not do that they it's like they have an inability to be honest staying in michigan there's one other thing i don't know if you saw this or heard about this but the ceo of kellogg's uh his advice to people who are a little sick and tired of spending so much money on food we <laughs> talked this. about this we talked about this last week uh the wall street journal put out that article saying that um you know you're spending a greater portion of your income yeah. more on food than you have in the past 30 years the ceo of kellogg's came out and he said eat more cornflakes yeah buy my stuff eat cornflakes for dinner buy my stuff exactly and uh, a lot of people are saying oh this is like a let them eat cake sort of moment well this is where we're at in the country you can't afford food so the answer is not to fix the issue of why you can't afford the food the answer is buy my stuff mm-hmm, absolutely he's saying give chicken a night off and eat frosted flakes and have fruit you loops seen and the price of flakes. cereal though casey cereal is pretty expensive and you would be, you would be amazed at how far i can get on a three dollar meal at my house a big uh, box of cereal well i'm not i just i'm gonna tell you i'm not proud of myself some nights but casey you know me i'm doing everything in my power to fight biden inflation all right we gotta take a break mm-hmm. when we come back there's an interesting development going on in the state of india As people know, we have multiple um, foreign auto manufacturers, their plants that are not unionized. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, they're able to make a cheaper car. They're able to make a car that many people prefer. And there is now a strong push to unionize these non-union plants here in the state of Indiana. And we're going to have a guest when we come back who's going to kind of give us all the details on this, how it might affect your ability to buy a car, what you pay for a car, and kind of the workers' landscape in the state of Indiana. It's on the way from 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. news reports and stories make it pretty clear that the UAW is interested in unionizing a lot of U.S. manufacturing jobs. And, well, that would hit Indiana because we've got some plants here in the great state of Indiana, Toyota, Subaru, a local Honda facility. And, Rob, you know what? We got a guy. We do. We have a guy for everything, Casey. I know. Uh, or a girl in some cases. That's but, true. So there is a huge push, as you said, uh, with these kind of what the UAW sees as massive victories in their recent negotiations to unionize these remaining plants in central Indiana made by you know foreign auto manufacturers. And it could have a profound impact on what you pay for a car, mm-hmm. the ability to get a car, the type of car you can get, and the, the way people work in the state of Indiana. And so uh, to kind of fill us in on what's going on, uh, Vinny Vernuccio is our guest. He joins us now on the WIBC Hotline. He is the president and founder of the Institute for the American Worker. Vinny, what is going on with the, this push to try to unionize uh, these plants in Lafayette and Princeton and Greensburg? 
Well, hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate it. And yeah, well, I'll tell you what's at the, the heart of the push and the main UAW tactic that they're being propped up by the Biden administration. They're trying to take away the secret ballot from workers. Uh, essentially, they want to organize these plants via a process called card check, which is basically an open petition process where they get cards signed and it can lead to intimidation and deception and coercion. And then they want the companies just to recognize them without saying, hey, workers should have a right to, you know, vote in private, whether or not they want to be unionized and whether or not that union's in there for, you know, could be essentially a generation or two like we've seen in other areas. So the UAW to try to organize these workers is actually trying to, you know, trample on their rights and, you know, can get into a little more, but they're also getting propped up by the Biden administration. So when you look at whether it's the Subaru plant in Lafayette, Toyota plant in Princeton, or the Honda plant in Greensburg, you're talking tens of thousands of workers here who could potentially have their quality of life impacted by what takes place here, Vinny. That's exactly that's exactly right. And what we're saying is, you know, they should have a vote. They should have a choice and a voice on this. And the UAW wants to take it away. And we're seeing pronouncements out of the Biden's National Labor Relations Board saying that, you know, they shouldn't have a vote and that the UAW can just come in with this open petition process and say, hey, we've got a bunch of people sign these cards, recognize us. And guess what? Now the UAW would get a monopoly in those plants, and they can negotiate contracts for all those workers, even workers that don't want anything to do with the UAW, that don't want their seniority system or the way they do their contracts, and frankly, even workers that you know may not like UAW politics. Yeah, well, let's talk about the politics, because the UAW just recently endorsed Joe Biden. That's right. I mean, and you see a lot of auto workers, you see a lot of union members that, you know, typically vote Republican, don't like the far left extremism of unions, including the UAW. And unfortunately, when a union comes in, even in Indiana, even in a right to work state where unions can't get workers fired for not paying them, those unions represent all those workers, and they consistently say, well, we speak for you. Uh, I know a lot of workers that are represented by unions that say, well, you know what? We don't want you to speak for us because we don't agree with you. But if the union comes in and organizes you, that's exactly what happens because they get a monopoly, right to work, state or not. Uh, Vinny Vernuccio is our guest. He is the president and founder of the Institute for the American Worker. We're talking about plans potentially to try to unionize uh, auto manufacturing plants in Greensburg, Princeton, Lafayette. So, Vinny, in, in terms of real world application, like obviously I don't work at a plant. Casey doesn't work at a plant. You don't work at a plant. But what does it mean to us as consumers if indeed these plants are allowed to unionize? Well, it takes away the freedom and the flexibility of both workers and management to, you know, be nimble, uh, change ships, um, figure out things that respond to market forces. Um, unfortunately, you know, we've seen with the UAW and with the UAW negotiations, you know, they're not looking globally. They're not looking at competition. And um, it could raise prices. And uh, frankly, it could harm workers in the long run. Uh, so, you know, that would be the biggest thing that I'm concerned about is UAW coming in. They're trying to muscle their way in, deny workers the right to a secret ballot election.
election and do things that, you know, may look good in the short term, but long term may actually be pretty harmful. Vinny, you've said words like uh, the muscle they weigh in or trying to strong arm. It reduces their ability to adjust to market forces. Uh, is this because this will affect the workers bottom line, which in turn is passed on to the consumer? Uh, well, with the, the, the muscle the way it, it's that card check election. It's trying to deny workers the ability to make a decision in private if they want the union to represent them. And, you know, you know there's studies, especially you know, there's one study out of the Heritage Foundation that showed that, you know, um, almost 90 percent of workers that are under a union contract never had a vote. So you're not just talking about bringing the union in for a short amount of time, you know, testing it out. Once a union gets the foot in the door, it is nearly impossible to get them out and, you know, you'd essentially be stuck with a union card the rest of your career and, frankly, your children's career as well if they uh, come in the same uh, uh, plan. Now, a couple minutes left here with uh, Vinny Vernuccio. He's the president and founder of the Institute for the American Worker. We're talking about these potential proposals to unionize auto manufacturing plants in Greensburg and Princeton, Lafayette, here in the state of Indiana. Now, Vinny, this would involve our Republican supermajorities and governor getting off their ass and doing something hard, so slim chance that happens. But in a state where they gutted, they being the Republicans, the right to, of government workers to, to unionize or right-to-work state, have we heard anything from our legislators about, hey, yeah, this is kind of a big deal and wouldn't be good for these communities. It wouldn't be good for these workers. We got to do something about this. Or as usual, are they just sitting on their hands and then they'll wait till the problem is fully developed before they try to do anything? <laughs> about um, some governors and some legislators that are doing a good job out there. Uh, so in Tennessee, where the UAW is you know, obviously making overture after overture, trying to get in, workers down there have consistently said, no, go away. Uh, they have actually passed a bill saying that if you're going to take state economic incentives, you're taking tax dollars, you have to protect your workers, and you have to protect the right to the secret ballot of your workers in order to get those economic incentives. Uh, Governor Kemp in Georgia uh, is doing it as well, and that bill uh, looks pretty promising. It uh, already passed one house, and... Um it looks like it may get to the governor's desk within the next couple weeks. So there you know, they're going in the right direction, and I think there's some lessons there. Uh, going back to Tennessee, Tennessee actually just passed last year, voters approved, a constitutional amendment enshrining right to work in the state constitution. So, you know, in, uh, in Indiana, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, I, I spent a number of years in Michigan, and in Michigan, we just unfortunately repealed right to work. And uh, just this month now, unions like the UAW can actually get workers fired for not paying them because the right to work law was appealed. That is something that could be considered in Indiana, uh, making sure that your state's right to work law is protected at the constitutional level. And, you know, protected for generations to come. So if there is a, um, you know, a trifecta on the other side, they can't come in and repeal the law. Vinny Verduccio, he's the president and founder of the Institute for the American Worker. Vinny, if people want to stay up to date on you, I know you write a lot about this. This is totally on your front of your radar. How could people do that? Sure. It's I, the number four, aw.org, I, four, aw.org. Vinny, thanks a lot. Appreciate you, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
Louisiana Election Commission is meeting. It's uh, supposed to last from 10 until 3 today, which means it's going on right now. It is 1132 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Uh, One of the things that they were looking at was uh, the Joe Biden signatures (laughs) and what that got dismissed pretty quickly. Challenge dismissed. (laughs) So our old friend, old air quote, honest Gabe Whitley Mm -hmm. uh, made this big hullabaloo about uh, last week that he was going to challenge Biden's signatures and Mm -hmm. Biden didn't get get the signatures and he was going to be there and well then that article in the capitol chronicle uh came out about old honest gabe and allegations of donors that don't exist and companies that don't exist and his best buddy who was on the board of the company with who doesn't exist and well it turns out gabe didn't exist today at the hearing because he didn't even show up casey he didn't show up it was his complaint and he didn't even show up there uh so uh nikki kelly from the indiana capital chronicle reporting that uh the report uh showed that biden had more than enough signatures to run for president in the state of indiana and the challenge was dismissed Do you know how rude and disrespectful this is and, and look the indiana election commission hopefully will be looking into old Honest Gabe a lot more. And what a way to piss those people off, Honest Gabe. I mean, in addition to all the other issues you have, uh, not showing up and wasting their time, that's going to make them look real favorably on you, Gabe, if you, if they have to look at some well, of your because, other stuff. Are, yeah, aren't they going to have the same sort of meeting only in regards to him well, at we'll, some point? We'll see. Who knows? But not a good way to get off in front of the commission by... Because, look, there uh, that happens all the time. There was a challenge to Banks' signatures mm-hmm. that got withdrawn the the polite and professional thing to do if you changed your mind would be you know i withdraw biden got the signatures thank you have a have a nice day but this tells you a lot about this guy not that you needed to know any more about old honest gabe whitley but the fact that he didn't have the courtesy to even go hey look i'm withdrawing my complaint i've changed my mind we don't want to waste anybody's time he didn't even show up and you know what i got a feeling he didn't show up because now he knows everybody knows who he is Mm. casey and he didn't want to answer any questions about his campaign finance report or save the usa or spencer mcdaniel but newsflash gabe you're probably gonna have to answer those questions eventually yeah because the cat is out of the bag it is 11 35 it's kendall and casey on 93 wibc rob did you see these pictures of monica Lewinsky? uh speaking of fraud um (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is incredible. Uh, Okay. uh, She's 50 years old now, which surprised me when I I did. I get it. I got it. I know. I was going to, you know what? We're not going to pretend like you didn't know it. You knew. You said, I asked you, and you said, she's got to be about mm, 50. And that's exactly what she is. Every so often, Casey, I can Mm -hmm. go reach deep back into the vault where I used to notice people's appearances. And I'm pretty good when I want to notice people's appearances with ages and, you know. everything Mm -hmm. and everything (laughs) so you remember her she's that former white house intern she became a writer and an activist now she is the face of reformation which is a you've got the power campaign and she's it's she's been modeling for sustainable no way she looks like this no way she looks like this you don't think these are real no way if you ran into her at your local hardy's she would be looking like Mm -hmm. this no way she looks thin and beautiful no way. and it's oh i 
I didn't think that was really her because, you know, I'm just remembering the Clinton era, Monica Lewinsky, and I know she's worked very hard to move past all of that. She really seems like she likes publicity, Casey. Like, if you're doing this, she's done this a lot over the years where, oh, I just was a victim of this, you know, predator, and Mm -hmm. who who was I to know what was going on? And she was, okay, first of all, she was like 24 years old at the time. Yeah. So she wasn't some 18-year-old intern. She was 24 years old. She was a fully grown, functioning adult. She did what she did by choice, not by force. And all these years later, she's played the victim card. And it's like, you had an affair with a married man. You did it. You're not a hero. You shouldn't be someone we should revere. You're not a celebrity. And all that she pops up all the time with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, oh, I'm an innocent victim. No, you like the publicity. Apparently she does, because this isn't just, these aren't just any random pictures of her. These aren't selfies that she posted on social media. These are... Glossy, you know they were shot in studios. There's multiple wardrobe changes. She doesn't look like that. There's no way, Monica. I've seen Monica Lewinsky. There's no way she looks like that. No way. You don't think so? No way. I think that's her, aged and a little bit more mature, thinner. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not some filtering and buffing going on Lady, there. you would have gotten the car with Ted Bundy if you believe she <laughs> looks like that. There's no way she actually looks like that. If you met her, if you bumped into her at a Walmart right now, you're telling me you think she'd look like that? I, I I think it's possible. She changed a lot. Yeah. Because there's uh, there's this picture. She's sitting down. At 50. She got hot at 50. <laughs> you just said Monica Lewinsky was hot. But she's not because she doesn't really look like that. <laughs> That's what I wanted to accomplish that whole time. I just wanted Rob Kendall to say it. And you fell into my trap. It is Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. My name is Casey. That is Rob. And I'm sure that you have been there. I have only been to City Market once since I've been in Indianapolis. And there were not a lot of vendors to choose from. (laughs) Boy, that's sure the truth, Casey. So tell me about the storied history as you have been there when it was a booming place to be. Well, it's like so much of this city. And this is the amazing thing about Indianapolis. And we've talked about this numerous times, how... Whether it was the uh, the All Star Game or obviously the NFL Combine mm-hmm. is here, yeah. Indianapolis even under the rule of Joe Hogsett still does a phenomenal job putting on a large event, especially specifically sporting events, and the city was kind of made for it. It was many many years. It was. Uh, you know, obviously bipartisan administrations. You go back to, uh, you know, Ballard and then Peterson before him. And, and you know, even back before that, they really made a concerted effort to say, hey, we're going to create this city so that we can host large scale sporting events mm-hmm. and do that in an effective manner. However, when you look at the day to day operations of this city, they suck. Mm. I mean, the, the obviously the crime, the violence, the homelessness, the drug use. 
and people don't want to be here on a day-to-day basis. Yes, of course, people are going to come downtown for large-scale sporting events, etc. It kind of doesn't matter in a weird way what the crime is like. However, that you notice, Casey, how clean it was during All Star Game. Yes, it was. They, they, it was like San Francisco when Xi Jinping visited. Right, and it'll be fine during Combine, and mm-hmm. the core area of the city will be taken care of because Hogsett l- likes these big, you know, big scale events, and they'll do their job. However, that is not how you sustain a city. You do not sustain a city based on single day or single week events, and. Part of what has happened to downtown Indianapolis is an utter decay and a destruction. If you walk around here on any given Tuesday, it's like something out of a Dickens novel. (laughs) And you have seen institutions and things that once sustained the city that have gone by the wayside because of the unwillingness. It's not inability. It's unwillingness of Joe Hoxett to secure the city, to get homelessness, to get panhandling, to get drug use uh, and violence under control. And people have just said, look. We don't need to go to the city market. Right. It's a it's a um, it's not a it's not a have to. It's a want, not a need. And you see on a consistent basis, once institution type uh, events or places or things, they just have gone away. And city market is kind of the next thing th- it, that has happened. It would seem like at one time it was probably a pretty cool place to go and, it was a destination. and, and walk around. Yeah, but now not so much. So there are only 12 vendors that are remaining <laughs> and they're actually shutting their doors on this Thursday. They're going to do a $12 million phase one renovation of the landmark. I guess it needs new plumbing, electrical, mechanical and window updates. And it's all all part of a $175 million grand plan to remake the entire city market block. But it won't matter, Casey, if people don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So even, um, you know, I've been working here since 16, so I can think of going there 17, 18. It was still a somewhat... Now, again, is the infrastructure old? Yes. Does mm-hmm. it need updated? Yes. Uh, but that's not the core of the problem, because I can remember going even se- you know, 17, 18... And it was still a somewhat, now again, not what it once was, but still a somewhat thriving entity. And people were there and there were lines, mm-hmm. et cetera. But under Joe Hogsett, especially uh, from 2020 on, now certainly this, there was st- stuff that happened in, in 2019 that really told criminals, hey, we're open for business. But the major issue is not infrastructure that's part of it. But the major issue is Safety. day-to-day violence, drug use, panhandling, homelessness in and around the city of Indianapolis. And and this entity, this once beacon of the city, mm-hmm. it kind of became ground zero for a lot of I that. I wonder if they're going to have to rebrand it and offer something new to attract people to come down. Now, it's not going to reopen until 2026. So... It's going to be shut down for a while. So when you do reopen, they're going to have to put some advertising behind it to invite people back. It's going to have to offer something to draw people down in addition to having them feel safe. Here's the ma- there's two major problems, though. Number one we've hit, which is people don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And under Joe Hogshead, that, let's, that is not going to change. I mean, you're dealt with at least another three years of all of this stuff going on. The other issue, though, is, and we have talked about this for years now on this show, which is there is a fraction of the people downtown that there once was. And that was done by the government because of COVID. And I remember at the time they were going, oh, people are going to be so happy now. They can work from home. They're discovering a new existence. 
cities, which are you know capital cities, which in most cases of our 50 states are a primary economic driver of that state, Indianapolis, not while Indianapolis has grown in the suburbs and the donut counties, it's not unique. Indianapolis still is a primary economic driver of the state of Indiana. They have a fraction of the people down here. And these sort of investments, if you're a vendor, are based around traffic count. Right. It's based around how many people could possibly walk through Buy my door. Buy your stuff. Right. And your when goods you, and services. You have a fraction. Have you seen this with rent? You've seen this with you know businesses leaving here. When you have a fraction of the people, mm-hmm. you're not going to make that investment because even if it were the Wizard of Oz, the Yellow Brick Road... There's not enough people to make this thing work the way it once was. Well, it'll be interesting to see if, in fact, it does reopen and what it looks like when it does. Okay, so let's go from the capital city to a small southern Indiana city. And this one is being touted as the best place to see the solar eclipse, which is coming on April 8th. So so less than uh, almost basically a month. A month away. Yep. And this small city is in the... Direct path of totality oh. to see it. What does that mean? Uh, the best place to view the eclipse, uh-huh. and that is Vincennes, Indiana. Oh, yeah, uh, Southern town, Indiana, right? Yep, Southern Indiana. About sixteen thousand people live there. Also, the oldest city in the entire state, and it was named by Astronomy.com as one of the best places in the entire country to view the solar eclipse along the path of totality. Now, look, I know nothing about space. How long does this last? Do I have two minutes? Oh, no. it's uh, The eclipse starts at 146 in the afternoon, uh-huh. and it ends at 420. Oh, so I got three hours. Yep, three and hours. Uh, almost three hours and five minutes. Now, okay, so I, so I will be home by then, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I will have all three hours mm-hmm. to view the eclipse. Now, do I need special glasses? This is where the moon, what is the, what is an eclipse for people that are playing along at home? I believe it's where the moon goes in front of the sun right. and blocks it out. So you get it the It seems ring like we have these though. All I, the time. This seems, is a big one. Oh, this is, this is why it's a big deal. It's a big one. Yeah. Because it's I, like, I seem to have remembered <laughs> this happening. Sign for that job at NASA. I feel, it's the big one. I feel like when I was a kid, there was one in elementary school mm-hmm. and I remember being in elementary school and they were like, don't look directly at it. And yeah. then of course everybody looks directly at directly it. Directly at it. Um, so the uh, totality is going to last for four minutes and five seconds. So mark your calendar, okay? (laughs) There's something else that I wanted to bring to your attention, and it also involves Indiana cities. Road Snacks has come up with the 10th Road Snacks. Oh, yes. It's, you know, in terms of trustworthiness, you got, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you got the New York Times. Right. You got the Washington Post. Yeah, you got the Wall Street Journal. And then you got Road Snacks. Road Snacks, yes. Mm -hmm. This is where we go for all of our content. This is a fun one. These are the 10 drunkest cities in Indiana oh. for 2024. All right, so Broad Ripple's not a city, so it doesn't <laughs> count. So that would have to be... Uh, Indianapolis has got to be uh, on the list, right? Um, You want to go through the list yeah, real let's, quick? let's go in reverse, shall oh, we? Oh, okay, in reverse. Let me Give me a second here. Because you don't want to, you know, spoil the... Go with number one right, right off absolutely. the bat. Absolutely. Okay, number 10, we have Evansville. Yeah, there's not much to do in Evansville. Other than have a beverage. No, I'm just kidding. We I'm, love Evansville. I'm really surprised at this next one, I uh-huh. thought it would have been much higher on the oh. list, and it is Bloomington. Oh, yeah. Boy, Bloomington number nine. No now, kidding. When, whenever I've been to Bloomington, a lot of drinking people. I see a lot of drunk people. Yeah, um, here's here's maybe what stops that is you got three months out of the year where there's no people there. Oh, so it brings down the curve? Yeah. 
That could possibly it be it, but uh, a lot of college students partaking. Number eight, uh, Monticello? Monticello. Monticello. Yes. Yes. And on number seven on the list, you have got <laughs> Terre Haute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents are from Terre Haute. They were there in the 70s when Bird was at Indiana State. Uh, my grandparents were Terre Haute lifers. I can tell you, uh, as someone who once spent a year at Indiana State and lived mm-hmm. with his grandparents, boy, Casey, you want to look up Least likely way to get lucky with a lady in the dictionary. Live with your grandparents your freshman year in college. Hey, I can see why everybody in Terre Haute is uh, is drinking a lot. Hey, I lived with my grandparents my junior year of high school, so I totally understand. But uh, home of Indiana State, of course, Terre Haute, uh, big party scene. Apparently also a very high divorce rate in the state of uh, Indiana. Again, if you have ever been to Terre Haute, you would understand why people are drunk and getting rid of their <laughs> spouses. And they're going to party even more when they've got that casino, which is going to open up soon. Okay, number six on the list of drunkest cities in the great state of Uh Indiana, you have Warsaw. Yeah, okay. Uh, And number five, oh boy, Mishawaka. (laughs) This one doesn't surprise me. Your neck of the woods. My neck of the woods, because if you've ever been to Mishawaka, uh, if you want to live forever, go there, because every day is like an eternity. (laughs) Actually, the Mishawaka Brew Pub is where we had our um, dinner before we got married. Oh, how exciting. What, is, what, what do they call that? You know, I don't know uh, what it's called. When you, I got the married practice my back, night. I got, I got rehearsal. Rehearsal dinner. Yeah, I got married in my backyard. Yeah. It took all of five minutes. The Mishawaka Brewery. That's where we had ours. Your wedding rehearsal. Uh-huh. Okay, four is Lafayette. Not West Lafayette. But Lafayette itself. But Lafayette. Right. Well, you know, in West Lafayette, you got all those smart kids who are studying all the time. So that does make sense. So they got to cross the river yeah. and blow off mm-hmm. some steam. Uh, number three, Michigan City. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been there, yep, you probably want to have a cocktail. They've got a lot of casinos in Michigan City. Number two, New Albany. Yeah. And the number one drunkest city in Indiana Madison. Indianapolis isn't even on the list? Not on the list! Wow. I guess we've got other stuff to do, like remake the city market. Let me introduce you to Broad Ripples. What's the website's name? Snack Serve? Or... Road, road Snacks. Road Snacks. <laughs> let, me, let me take you out for an evening, and I challenge you to tell me Indy shouldn't be on the drunkest cities list. Yeah, I guess it's people on their boats along the Ohio River in Madison <sighs> that are doing it. All right, Hey, that's you feel it. like after that, you feel like you need a cocktail? Yeah, let's go. Okay, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you for listening today. Tony Katz is up next. It's 93 W. WIBC.